This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 210, The Story Formula. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the program. It's Jason Lynette here with a solo session this week sharing a bit of a strategy, a technique that's hypnotic in nature. However, you're going to see the ways that we're going to apply it in this conversation together in terms of personal change, how it is we can help motivate our clients, but also how it is we can apply the same principle to sales to uh, get those clients actually in the door. And I'd kick off with a bit of a story, and I'll make it brief for the sake of not going off too far into a negative story. It was where years ago I attended a convention, and someone was up there, and they were teaching a technique at a hypnosis convention in terms of some strategy with Google AdWords. And I simply raised my hand and asked a follow-up question, and this person then admitted that they had not used the technique themselves, and quote, I thought it was really cool and wanted to share it with all of you which I found a polite moment to then exit the room because that person should not have been teaching that technique. I'd share, I give you that story as a grounding because eventually that's about the time I decided to go to as many marketing and uh, sales trainings as much as I spend time in the hypnosis world. And I love all of you. But let me now tell you the result of that, which is that I'm now at this point at a marketing convention and step one, I was kind of shocked because a lot of it was the same language. They were talking about motivation. They were talking about change strategies. They were talking about hypnotic language patterns like embedded commands and, uh, you know, calls to action in some form. And admittedly, I kind of left that event going, um, kind of like these people better. Now, I'll give you an update on this. And actually, I'm in the midst of teaching a class this week, and I've got a uh, former consulting student and also a student now in the class who's just, you know, sitting in to check it out. And I admitted that about maybe six years ago, when I would talk about business to hypnotists, I used to have to inoculate uh, my message. I used to have to spend time on the mindset that it's okay to earn a living, that it's okay to be successful. That's all right. And perhaps it's because, you know, let's call it out, about five, six years ago, there weren't many of us teaching business principles to other hypnotists, and now there's several of us which is actually a very good thing. And it's the way that, you know, when you get down to it, a lot of us are actually friends with each other uh, and point to each other in positive ways and say, go to, you know, go to this person for this thing, go to this person for that thing. And we're all rather uh, complimentary of each other. I give you that as a bit of a foundation for what we're about to get into, because here's the real learning lesson. The more money, the more time I spend in the marketing world, the more I hear the message, shoot videos and tell stories. And so much of it all comes down to story. Here's a whole consulting training that I'm going through at the moment right now in terms of punching up an aspect of my business. And again, so much of it begins with story. And this week on the podcast session, I wanted to share with you something that I simply refer to as the story formula. And it's a very simple concept. We're probably not going to spend but so much time on this because, again, there's strength in simplicity. I'd encourage you to also join me this year at HypnoThoughts Live 2019 for my post-convention offering, Neurolinguistic Business. It's all about applying the actual principles of hypnotic language patterns and NLP, neurolinguistic programming, to our businesses. So you're going to be learning how to actually put the patterns of hypnotic persuasive speech into our sales writing, into our online videos, into our elevator speeches, 
it's not just about getting into the individual nuts and bolts of like Facebook marketing and, you know, online marketing, though we will touch on that. It's more so about punching up that actual language in such a way that my real principle of hypnotic change nowadays is that I want to get the change in motion conversationally prior to saying, close your eyes. You know, to use the actual formal hypnotic process to ratify the result that I've already set in motion. And from a similar mindset, I don't want to, quote, ask for the sale in my business until I am already certain it's already been accomplished. And these are some of the principles I'm going to be sharing with you at my post-convention offering at HypnoThoughts Live 2019 in August in gorgeous, warm Las Vegas. You can check out the details for that over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP biz. So NLP as in neurolinguistic programming and then biz, B-I-Z as in the short version of business. Links and everything over at worksmarthypnosis.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this week's session. This is episode number 210, The Story Formula. The writer's job is to get the main character up a tree and once they are up there, throw rocks at them. This is a quote that I wanted to kick off with, that uh, in terms of my online research, I found the name Vladimir uh, Nobokov, which I'm definitely not pronouncing correctly, and hopefully he's a listener of this program, though someone known in the writing worlds. But again, that interesting mindset. The writer's job is to get the main character up in a tree, and once they are up there, throw rocks at them. Now, this is a formula that, back to my previous career working in theater, I I share one of the things that I was kind of known for in that career was working with uh, brand new plays, you know, world premieres, which was awfully fun when you'd be producing a brand new play, and then the, uh, the board members of the theater, the people who donate all the money to the theater, you know, would come in and visit, and they'd go, oh, you're doing that play, that's one of my favorites. And I had to do my best to hold back from saying, it's a premiere, no one's seen it before. And I give you that as a background, though, because there's a basic three-act formula to the writing of a play, whether it's the Great American Musical, whether it's a play. Uh, You can even go into a lot of Shakespearean uh, plays as well. And even though most Shakespeare plays are about five or six acts, most often about five, you're going to find a similar formula that's often spread out. The way that I first learned this pattern. You know, the quote from uh, Nabokov is the writer's job is to get the main character up a tree. And then once they're up there, throw rocks at them. Here's the way I learned it. Act one, introduce the hero. Act two, get them up in a tree. Act three, get them down. So it's a very simple formula at its core, but it's the way that we're going to twist it, the way that we're going to spin it the way that we're going to make use of our good friend of nested loops, the way that we're going to, you know, create little anchored moments inside of the story to then call back to it. And again, I'm going to be applying these principles in this conversation with you in terms of both the change process as well as the actual sales process of getting into it. So let's talk about a simple idea. And we can get, you know, far too, uh, you know, sort of uh, nerdy off in the language. So I'm going to avoid a lot of that just by using just standard vernacular, standard language. But the mindset of opening up a thread, so perhaps opening up a thread before the induction. So look at this three-act formula, introduce the hero, get them up in a tree, get them down, as I'm going to simply simplify it here as well. But uh, to open up a thread, to open a loop, as it were, before a technique for change. To open up some bit of thread before asking for a sale. And think of it this way. We're inviting curiosity. 
end of the process. In the words of the the online marketing guru, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, he would say that we are day trading attention. That is our number one job as marketers, as business owners, as really communicators in the 21st century. Uh, There's a quote of his, which is slightly offensive to some, but it's his, so I'll share it. Uh, He talks about this is perhaps why billboards are not working so well in the business world nowadays. Clearly, they're working to some level because there's still billboards out there from an evolutionary mindset as a reminder, perhaps, of some sort of product. But as he put it, the passenger of a car isn't looking at the billboards because they're looking at the phone. You know, they're in the car, they're looking at their phone rather than looking at the billboards. And on top of that, the driver isn't looking at the billboards either because they're also looking at their phone. Do not text and drive. So looking at this mindset of opening up some sort of thread, opening up that air of curiosity to be actually begin to, you know, sort of draw people in. So recognize that from this mindset from Gary Vaynerchuk, we are day trading attention. And what I mean by that is you are always selling at every step of the journey in your business process. So I'll give you an example of this. There's a bit of an automated stream that's currently running on the Virginia Hypnosis website off of a couple of pages, and it's leading into a webinar that is actually about maybe 29 minutes right now, I think, in the current pass. I want to actually produce it again and see if I can cut it down to about 20, if not 25. And to recognize that every step of the journey is about selling curiosity. And by selling curiosity, I'm encouraging you to stick around to the next step. So let me just walk you through the mental uh, uh, mindset of this, because this is where we're going to apply the story formula. Phase one of it is that there is some sort of display ad. Let's phrase it that way on my own site. Uh, Some sort of display function, whether it's a little slide in thing that comes up from the side, whether it's just text that's embedded on the website, but it's selling the next step, as I like to say, of interact with this webinar program. Then from there, it gives several options to sign up for the online event and actually watch it, which again, so far I've sold the actual click to go into the program. Then from there, I've sold the actual step of signing up for the thing. Then from there, I've got to sell, actually watch it. Then from there, in the opening two minutes or so, which is very generous in time, I've got to then sell you on sticking around to the very end of the presentation. And then from there, I'm teaching three specific points of content, which are selling, listen to the next one, listen to the next one, listen to the next one, which of course, let's talk business for a moment. There comes a moment at the end of the presentation where eventually I'm going, here's my program, here's how you sign up now, click the button below, and then of course, complete the sales form. So you are always selling at every step of the journey. It is not this just singular event of going, hey, I've got this thing, who wants to buy it? Uh, which that's direct response, which does work. But again, we can do a little bit of both inside of this. So I'm going to use stories inside of this because stories draw people in. Stories build interaction. And the beautiful thing about a story is let's bring in our hypnotic language patterns here from the state of mind that we are creating representations within their thoughts. This is the beautiful thing about a story. And it's something that in recent years, I've kind of changed some of my aspect of it. Uh, I'll give you an example. In uh, in one of the presentations that I do to promote my business, I tell a story that I've mentioned here, I'm sure before, of being uh, you know much younger at the time. My son was only about three or four days old, and carrying him up the stairs, and I'm out of breath. And there's a little bit of an adjustment that I used to do in that presentation. I used to show a before and after photo. 
I used to create this, uh, you know, moment of bond by showing the photo of the cute baby and, you know, me slightly heavier than I am right now. And, you know, that would be part of the storytelling. And then there'd be the after photo where there's my son on my shoulders and I'm at the beach and uh, I'm clearly much slimmer and there's a hint of abs uh, <laughs> and there it is. So I used to use the visual aspect of the story thinking that this helps to sell the story. And I'll tell you now why I don't show the pictures anymore. Because as I'm telling you that story, you are creating pictures in your mind. You know, and as much as some parts of our community like to go, oh, um, you know, some people aren't visual, don't do that. Well, everybody is to some specific level unless there's some sort of physiological reason why that's not the case. It may not be full cinematic quality. Yet you are creating some representation in your mind, whether it's pictures, whether it's sounds and so forth. The moment I show you the picture, I interrupt your story. Notice what's different. I'm telling a story, but also you're interpreting the story from your filters. And uh, I, I tell you this in a very sort of, uh, in the words of Scott Sandlin, self, uh, self-defecating way of telling it, which is that I had someone a while ago say, the before and after picture I created in my mind was much more impressive than your physical reality in those photos, which granted it was dropping about 40 pounds of body fat, putting on about 10 pounds of muscle. And he goes, you did a good job. That's still impressive. Yet the images I was creating in my mind were more impressive than the photos you shared. And also the picture in my mind of your son was different than the one you actually showed, which again, interrupted the story. So I've actually found a higher conversion rate, a higher rate of people actually buying into the service by not showing the pictures now, because instead uh, I'm letting you create the story for yourself. And even so far, here's what I'm about to test. I'm about to completely remove the fact that it was my son and instead talk about it being one of my kids. Why? Because what if you're the person in my audience who only has daughters and now you're creating the story in your mind and it's your daughter. And again, you're now personalizing the story for yourself. So what I'm getting at here, uh, one of the aspects of the story formula, which there's several moving pieces inside of it, is our good friend, artfully vague language. Embrace the fact that people will be creating their own representations of the stories in their own minds. And sometimes less is more. So I'd give a quick story here of actually an experience in class where I had a student one time who uh, was uh, with the goal of wanting to become a lot healthier, wanting to eat better foods, and was basically trying to, you know, just eat whole foods as it were. But as she put it, you know, as a mother of three and with a full-time job as I'm getting ready to transition into this hypnosis career, it's kind of difficult to always eat whole foods, especially when traveling, when commuting, when something pops up at school and I've got to go there and pick up one of the kids. And in, in my practice sessions, let me give this the frame ahead of time. In my practice sessions in class, when I'm teaching Work Smart Hypnosis Live, I often give the prompt of before the practice session, ask your fellow student, what is something you would like to do more of? The beauty of that question is it always invites a positive response, which for the sake of student practice and an intro class uh, or a refresher class, it becomes that beautiful moment where they're simply working on positive change. You know, I'd like to exercise more. And then from there, they can go through the whole intake process. Well, what are those things you'd like to be doing more of? When would you like to be doing that? So by asking more of, and yes, this is a real reference, uh, by asking more of, you're not going to have uh, intro level students going, okay, I want to work on my night terrors. Maybe later in the course or maybe book a session for that. 
So um, by asking what's something you'd like to do more of. So back to the story, the student says to the other student, you know, I'd prefer to eat mostly whole foods, but there's a specific brand of food bar that I'd like to keep a couple of them in my purse because to look at the ingredients, sometimes there's only two ingredients, sometimes there's like only four or five. And that's at least a decent option. And really in a pinch, I could eat two of those and that would be a decent meal replacement. And if you know the brand Lara Bar, uh, that's what she was talking about. I mean, their cashew cookie Lara Bar actually only has two ingredients. I think it's just cashews and dates. And then some of the others have like maybe four or five, but there's nothing weird uh, listed in it. So in the sake of this practice session, her fellow student is now got her hypnotized and is talking about, as you remember to put those granola bars in your purse. And you can actually see the student kind of, you know, tilt her head to the side. Which was beautiful because even from a student perspective, she's able to modify the suggestions and go, I know what she really means. So recognize this was a place where the fellow student tried to add more content to the process and by doing so, actually kind of interrupted it. The same way that by showing the pictures of the story with my son, I was interrupting the story that you were creating in your own mind. So recognize the places where Step one of this journey is that I want you to start to collect your stories. What are interesting things that have happened to you? What are interesting change processes that have happened with people that you know, or even better, clients that you've worked with? And what I'd encourage you to do is, again, I'm not telling you to lie about your stories. I'm not telling you to, you know, fabricate them or invent them. Instead, rewrite them to first of all, cut out the extraneous bits of storytelling that really don't serve any purpose inside of it, and second of all, remove the extraneous detail. Play the game of, and this is the most obscure reference I can possibly give you, but I had a hobby of doing magic as a teenager, and a lot of people who have been on the program have shared a similar background, but there's an old illusion called the chair suspension, which, if you know it, I've never found this thing impressive as a trick but audiences eat this one up. The trick is this. You have two folding chairs that are facing each other, and then there's like a plank of wood on top of it and like a, you know, a cloth, you know, a tablecloth or whatever, you know, draped over top of it. And the assistant lays down on the table, uh, on the table surface, which is that piece of wood perched up on two chairs. And then from there, they wrap the cloth around the assistant or volunteer from the audience, perhaps. And then it's a suspension. It's not uh, a flotation. They remove one of the chairs... And now, defying gravity, that thing is still uh, balanced on the other back of the chair. And then they remove the wooden plank from underneath the person, and that person is still kind of, you know, suspended in air. Uh, again, not quite flotation. I've never found this impressive. Um, but again, look it up. Look up on YouTube, chair suspension illusion, and you'll see what I'm talking about. What I'm getting at, that is my visual representation for the storytelling formula to go, what elements can I remove and still have the thing floating in air? You know, so by removing the chair, the person remains suspended in air. By removing the wooden plank, the person still remains floating in air. And it looks like just the back of their head is touching the back of the chair. And that's how they're just suspended in air. So you will find sometimes that you've removed too much of the story that it just doesn't make sense anymore. It just doesn't kind of work. Or sometimes, yes, there will be moments that if you're using a visual medium of storytelling, eventually you go, yeah, I've got to show the picture of this. I've got to show the result, you know, and there's one such story. I'll leave out all the details for the sake of this, 
where, you know, in a presentation, if I'm talking to a business group and I'm using that as a mechanism to either, you know, sell my products, my trainings, or even services, I do have the photo of, you know, crossing the finish line at a half marathon. And yes, there's muscles and there's the medal and there's the finished result. Uh, but I don't show the before anymore. Uh, not because I'm ashamed of it, but because again, you create a different image of the before. So let's get into the actual structure. So phase one of this is again, back to that metaphor of the chair suspension illusion. What are those elements that you can remove and by doing so make the story better? So a bit of a homework assignment with this, find places where people tell stories. And if you want a simple reference for that, you're listening to one. Listen to a podcast session, whether it's mine or whether it's anyone else's, and listen for those places where what are those details that you can remove? What are those places you can sand it down to just the essential elements? And by doing so, you leave it more artfully vague for the audience member, for the client, for the person, the other side of your sales process to remove, to actually create the story and embellish it even further for you. Uh, so again, kind of quoting the whole concept of memory reconsolidation that Melissa Tears talked about in a recent session, this place where, again, the best way to forget something is to uh, stop talking about it. <laughs> the best way to no, the best way to remember a story is to forget it. Because again, every time you tell it, you are adding extra details. So embracing the fact that that's going to be part of the mental structure of what's going on. What are those places where you think you need those extra details, but test it out, remove them and see what happens. So remove all the extraneous details. Let's get into the actual structure of story. And uh, we've introduced one of them already, introduce the hero, get the hero up in a tree, and then get them down. The basic three-act formula. But also inside of that, there's another formula inside of this we can talk about, which is just the before, the after, and the bridge. So the before is, here's what the person's issue was before. And as a result of working together, uh, they found this was the result, and this is what they learned. So here's the person's problem, here's the result after we work together, and then here's the real learning lesson that came from it, the bridge. There's a beautiful thing that happened, though, inside of that, which is that I embedded an action inside of there. This is where sales becomes no longer salesy. Because embedded inside of the story, I'm telling you, this person worked with me. Or even better, embedded inside of the story, I'm finding that place to reference how they made the buying decision. So, you know, I haven't done this in this presentation, but let me just give you an example of that. It reminds me of a person who attended a, uh, you know, who listened to the webinar and they signed up for a uh, class of mine. And they learned from the event, this is what happened. So inside of the story, I'm actually telegraphing the call to action. Inside of the story, I'm telegraphing, one, how they first interacted with me, two, why they signed up for an event, and three, what they learned. Or here's an easier example. Uh, and actually, I'll use a, a real story in this case. Let me pull one that actually fits into this context without fabricating it. Here we go. Yeah, it reminds me of a story of actually a guy who heard me speak at a local chamber of commerce event and came in as a client. And his problem was that he was diabetic and had sugar cravings. And as a result of the hypnosis, it really helped him to change his mindset where now he was actually craving the healthier foods. He was actually looking forward to prepping these better things because what he really learned was that sometimes it's not just the game of don't eat this, don't 
don't eat that. What he realized was that you can actually enjoy eating these healthier foods even further. All you have to do is change your mind to focus on what you want rather than what you don't want. So I did several things in the shape of that quick little story, if not just simply anecdote, because I didn't embellish it with all the uh, flowery details of it. Uh, First of all, I embedded inside of the story how he found me and uh, how he signed up for the process. So where would I do that? Anywhere that I'd be speaking about my practice, anywhere I'd be speaking about Virginia hypnosis. I embedded inside of the story the fact that he heard me speak and he signed up. Then from there, I gave the hero up in a tree, get him down with the before after bridge formula before here's was here was his issue, diabetic sugar cravings after inside of that, here was the result that he found. But then there was a bridging moment at the end, which introduces another element of this story formula, which is the power of the extended quote, the power of shifting the ambiguity, ambiguity, the perspective of the story which is where he realized you don't have to do this. You can do that instead, which there's a beautiful thing that happens inside of that, which is that I'm shifting the perspective of the story from me telling the story to eventually at the end of it, he's telling the story. And by doing that, I get to make use of an extended quote where at the end of it. Now he realized you don't have to focus on what you don't want. Instead, it's even more empowering to focus on what you want. And what's happening now? I am now shifting into the first perspective, the first position of the story, and I can now stare down my audience members who I'm seeing are a fit for my service and delivering that quote as if I'm talking directly to them. Did you catch that? So the before, here was the problem he was facing, diabetic sugar cravings, after he started to find that he could actually look forward to prepping these healthier foods as a result of the hypnosis embedded in the story. Here's how he found me. He heard me speak at a chamber of commerce because he realized this is the bridge. You is the beginning of the quote. So in the quote, now I'm directly communicating with my audience through the filter of the story. So these are the basic components of what I now just simply refer to as the story formula. Step one would be Simplify the story by cutting out all the extraneous detail to allow your person to actually create the story for themselves. Step two of it is to put it into this three-act formula before, after, bridge, hero, up in a tree, get him down. But also inside of it, bridge, at the end of it, we can extend into a quote. So again, part of this is going to revolve around a little bit of uh, homework assignments to start to cull your stories which I'd share with you uh, as a bit of a uh, lesson off to the side of this. This was perhaps one of my greatest benefits of writing Work Smart Business, because in the shape of the 45,000 or so words that became that book, it began with culling all of my stories and going, what are the learning lessons? So it was beginning by starting with those stories. What are those things I can talk about? And then through the structure of organizing those stories, realizing, oh, here's the shape of a book. And then looking at the specific uh, sort of niche area that I wanted to fill inside of, that's what quickly became the structure of that book. So by culling those stories, by collecting those stories, you get to ask yourself, what is this like? 
And now you get to go back into your own story uh, sort of uh, library and pull the things out that are a perfect fit. As I'm doing more speaking to business groups nowadays, in part because of uh, you know marketing to those areas, in part thanks to folks like Anthony Gailey, in part thanks to writing the book, you know, it's where now here's my collection of stories that I can dip into and go, what is it I can use the story to telegraph as a result? So this brings about sort of the final point of all of this, which is a question that often pops up in hypnotic trainings, whether it's NLP, whether it's hypnosis, the question of, do you unpack the story? Do you explain the reason I tell you the story is that, you know, well, you want to change your healthy eating habits and now you can eat this way. Do you unpack the story? I am never one uh, to, to speak in absolutes. I will never, ever, ever speak in absolutes, ever, which realize, again, that statement was an absolute. And uh, everybody who speaks in absolutes is full of it. Yeah, figure that out. So I tend to not unpack the story. The exception would be uh, if I'm working with a kid or perhaps or I, I'm going to use this next phrase from the most loving place possible. I have only one client example of a person who came in with issues around binge eating and uh, the feedback at session number two was, yeah, that seemed kind of weird last week. All you did was tell me a bunch of stories that didn't have to do with food. Um, so I think that was kind of a waste of time. So could we do that session over? By the way, I haven't done the binge eating at all. Uh, so perhaps um, there wasn't the comprehension as to what happened or maybe just one extra you know, element in the pre-talk would have hedged off that issue. So with that client, every story that I would tell from a, you know, sort of a storytelling hypnotic perspective, I unpacked the story. And you see, the reason I tell you that story is A, B, and C. But I tend to not unpack the story. So this becomes a place where you can let silence uh, or a pause sell the connection. Or perhaps you can sort of, uh, you know, ride the fence in between explaining the story and leaving it uh, artfully uh, open for the client's interpretation. And perhaps your conscious mind has already put use of why I've told you that story, when already your unconscious processing is already integrating the lessons and learnings of that experience. And take this bit of quiet and let your mind fully make use of these learnings. And then you become quiet. So do you unpack the story? I don't tend to. And especially in a sales environment, I'm going to use stories to bridge from that moment of explaining what we're going to do together, how it fits into the context of them. And in that transition out of the actual sort of, you know, conversational sales process, I'm going to use the story to, first of all, again, embed how the person signed up with me. You know, it kind of reminds me of this person who uh, filled out the same form on the website and we eventually worked together. And she discovered this was the issue. And as a result of working together, here's what she found. And what she really learned was extended quote. Now, how soon would you like to get started? <laughs> so using that as the formula to kind of bridge into that. So if I really had to oversimplify it, here is the story formula at its simplicity, which would be, first of all, call your stories, collect your stories, cut out the extraneous air and details to leave it wide open for interpretation and create their own representations in their mind. Inside of the storytelling formula, embed the actual buying decision. So inside of the introduce a hero, get them up at a tree, get them down inside of it, find a way to just simply embed inside of it. This is how they signed up with me and then pause. And then if it's business, ask for the sale. If it's change, introduce the technique. 
So I want you to put the use of this. Again, we're going to be expanding upon this even further and actually workshopping it at uh, Neurolinguistic Business, which is, again, my post-convention offering at HypnoThoughts Live 2019, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP biz, B-I-Z. But put this into use. Share this on your social media streams and put it into use in your process, whether you're using it for change. Again, after the story, that's where you interject the technique. If you're using it for business, after the story, that's where you then ask for the sale or move the process along even further. But there's power in the pause. There's power in that extended quote. There's power in stories. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it in your social media streams, leaving your reviews online, and once again, hey, let's hang out in person. Join me at my post-convention offering at HypnoThoughts Live 2019. It's Neuro Linguistic Business. You're going to learn again how to apply the principles of hypnotic language patterns and neurolinguistic programming to the actual process of selling your service to really scale up what you do and, as I like to say, make it rain. Check out all the details at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP biz. See you in Vegas. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. <laughs>